Hello and welcome to episode 16, because 15 was Mike Tindall, of uh, Cherry Jam, this season of Cherry Jam. Uh, we'll be joined later by Jackie Weaver. I'm only joking. Um, we're going to talk about Gloucester rugby, God help us, and uh, and also England rugby, because we might as well like, share the misery of awful rugby between just not just Gloucester, but England as well. The whole and country. The, the whole country. And then we'll talk about the Ireland game and the, well, you know, the France-Italy game. Um, and then we'll preview the Bristol game. Uh, but first of all, most importantly, Lawrence, you weren't here last week because you were understandably tired. January's a very busy month for you. Um, so I think it's only right and proper we give you right of ret- you know, right of reply. We uh, poo-pooed your biscuit selection. Would you like to defend it? Oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, we'll move on now and we'll talk about uh, the Gloucester game because Snowy wanted to get it out of the way. Oh, geez. Right. Uh, Gloucester managed to, again, do some incredible things this weekend, uh, conceding a try after 27 seconds, uh, then scoring a try directly from the kickoff or from the following try, um, leading again at half time, uh, and then just again falling apart, sort of middle part of the second half, somehow getting two bonus points. And then infuriating every single Gloucester fan, I think, um, well, sane one, uh, by kicking the ball out with the last player of the game rather than actually going for at least a try. That, and that Gloucester a fans not on the internet then, because the vast majority think that was a brilliant idea. And I want to talk I about that bit on it in isolation. Okay, we'll come back to that then. So let, let's just talk about, right, I'm, Snowy, you normally do the positives, so I'm going to go and start with the positives. Uh, I should say actually before because we haven't even introduced anybody yet. So Jim, Lawrence, and Snowy and myself. Russ has uh, got massive internet problems apparently, where his laptop's not working, so he can't join us this evening. Um, but we're going to start with the positives. I thought genuinely our attacking play this weekend was better than it not has great. been. Not great, not great, but better. Not great, but we did we did put go through some phases occasionally. Um, and Geordie Reed until he got Amazing. injured was brilliant. Uh, fantastic performance. I thought um, Alex, uh, Alex Craig, uh, second row, um, was excellent, scored two, did well, scored two tries, but I thought did well. Um, Willie Hines, apart from the, the first uh, kick, um, again, I thought was, you know, he was, he was pretty good. Um, and then came off after 60 minutes again, looked like he was limping a bit. Um, and actually, to be fair to him, I thought Billy 12 trees at 10, did all right, I think. You know, he, he, the, the, there was a lot of decent moves that were being played. He seemed to get stuck in a lot more um, with the defence because that's kind of his, his normal thing. That, that yeah, it didn't help, though, did it? Than your average <laughs> 10 would. Um, <laughs> with, with regard to the restarts, um, just on that, because you, you mentioned that we scored a try right from, the, the, the after, from their, their try. Yeah, from our Does anyone from... else get the feeling that 12 trees got that restart wrong? Because their player made such a hire of it, I would have been trying to do that every time after that. But we went nowhere near there. Then we started kicking the other way and kicking it yeah. longer, so we couldn't chase it down. I think yeah, I would we... have been looking to try at the very least try it one more time, which leads me to believe that he got that wrong and it wasn't meant to go where it ended up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, we fucked we fucked it up, didn't we? Letting it bounce, and we're like all head in hands. Oh God, how long an afternoon is this going to be? And then they did exactly the same, pretty much, didn't they? Um, with it not being fielded correctly. And like you say, Lars, that's the best thing to do for a, any player that's just fluffed a, fluffed a catch, give them another one straight away. 
and it either works because you know as us the Gloucester players supporters it, it, it works for us in that they mess it up and we get more good territory or it works for them they catch it they're all calm and collected now and you kick it somewhere else next time you don't bother trying again because they prove themselves there's there's a lot of talk that there's a lot of positives to take from that game and I and I think that the reason people are saying that is that on the score sheet a close-ish score away at London Irish a team that's packed full of internationals and international caps looks like it might be quite a good result but I don't actually think that's a fair reflection of the game I I think we struggle to control any element of the game and any and any part of possession and we we scored some good attacks in sort of short periods off first phase ball and there were a few sort of skillful moments but we didn't have a set piece at all so we did we didn't have any control on the outcome of the game and I didn't think London Irish were anywhere near as good as Northampton were last week but they completely controlled the game and, and I don't think once we were sort of into the second half and, and they got ahead we we didn't look like we had any hope really of competing and, and we got what was in effect a consolation score that, that made it look a lot better than it was I think positives you've mentioned Jordy Reed. I thought Heinz what Heinz is so good at is he just he puts the right amount of pace onto the ball so when those opportunities arise he's so quick from the breakdown and gets it out and that's where suddenly we looked a lot better on that that quick phase ball yeah. but uh, and, and the, the other positive I'd say is that we're still missing we're missing really key players in really key positions. Um, and I think I said, I think I said maybe last week, like the signings we've made, I think are excellent. Uh, that's one thing I can't hold against the management that they've got at the moment. They've the right positions have been corrected. And I think that the Georgian guy that I'm never, ever going to try and pronounce his name <laughs> is, is going to make a big difference. He's, we've been looking for a player like that at centre for years, I think. And I, th- I think he could make a big difference. Oh, that uh, first tackle. that He'd been on the pitch uh, for 30 seconds or whatever. And he absolutely decimated the bloke, didn't he? And chopped him in half, yeah. stopped him dead. Absolutely brilliant. And then Carreras, Unfortunately, Carreras. That, wasn't, that, that needed to be the sort of thing that happened in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, definitely. Carreras, we, need, we need to get a fullback. That's why we've brought him into the team. Um, we know we've got the strength for the wing. I'm sure, I, I think it's a more gradual thing to bring him in and get him used to the way we're playing on the wing because it's hard to introduce someone straight at fullback. It's very easy to introduce someone straight onto the wing, especially when they don't speak any English because you communicate a lot from fullback. Um, and then, of course, once we sort 10 out. So I, I think the signings were a big positive and there were big holes in that team. So maybe we, the score was a decent reflection based on the team we were able to put out. But in terms of organisation and structure and looking like we, we had some sort of game plan, I, f- I think it's actually the worst performance we've had all season, which is maybe contentious. That's a, you know, it's, a, it's all about opinions. Um, I was very annoyed after the final whistle. I did calm down. Um, I think the fact that England was so crap helped, but um, we'll come back to that later. Um, Loz, your thoughts? Well, I was equally as angry. Um, yeah, we, we seem to be making the same mistakes game on game as well. That, you guys talked last week about, um, I think of Russ in particular, about not letting the ball bounce in the restart. And what they do, they kick off, start of the game, 15 seconds in, we've let the ball bounce instead of catching it or however long it was. 
Um, we just don't seem to, they, they keep on saying we'll take, we'll take this away and we'll learn from it. But they, and I think we said this before, they don't seem to be learning very quickly at the moment, um, which is the worrying thing. Um, the positives, which Snowy said about the attack, it did look a bit, quite a lot at times better than it has done in the past. But it's the defence that's the worry. It, it just, it, it, well, they've appointed someone with next to no experience as a defence coach. And I know some people have to start somewhere. And maybe he had an aptitude that was coming through for it from his, um, those that have experienced him when they played with him. But he just, our defence just looks utterly confused and lost with what they should do. Should they be um, drifting? Should they be um, shooting out? We're, what we're happening is we're getting a bit of a, almost a hybrid of the two where we're ending up with massive dog legs and teams are ripping us apart. Anyone with a half decent fly half is going to rip us apart. And we can't play with a defence like that up against decent um, decent sides. It was interesting that Tins mentioned that defence is the one thing that needs serious work as well. And that was before mm. the London Irish game as well. Because I recorded that on mm. Thursday and he was referencing the defensive structure and systems. I mean... It, I've seen a few people mention the defence um, and how it's a work in progress and all the rest of it. And I'm like, well, at the point people are making is we're moving to a, a blitz defence, apparently. Um, and that, you know, that takes time to adjust to and things like that. Well, yeah, I agree with that. It does take time to adjust to a new defensive system. Does it take six months? Who, who else runs a blitz defence now in, in modern rugby? I know obviously it's like the massive thing that was did for four or five seasons that no one could really compete with, but n- no one runs a pure blitz anymore. Even Sean Everest doesn't do it. He's the one who invented it, isn't exactly. it? They run an aggressive flat line, you know, like England, England do that, you know, to take those first few steps as quickly as you can. But mm. it's always a solid flat line. It's not your first three or four players full on sprinting. Because it's once you do understand it, it's so easy to work out and get past. Well, this is it. So the, the, there's a the, there's a couple of points that kind of goes back to is, and I, I, again, I mean, uh, Mike Tindall made the point. So it's not that the players aren't trying, and I would never ever say that. You know, they clearly are, and as we've said before, that's a minimum expectation. But we know they're trying. We know they're not actively going out there to play badly. It's just it's it's a result of other issues. Um, one of them seems to be this confusion around defence and. My argument is if you if you're defensive if you are defensively struggling, don't give the def- don't give the other team the ball that much. I mean that's that's fundamentally it. And I, I, that's funny enough, we actually didn't get I don't think we kicked it away as anywhere near as much as we did. I was in the previous right games. from the start, wasn't I, in our group chat about the fact that actually put, Snowy said just said about how good Hines gets the ball away with tempo and whatnot, and he spots it. He didn't at the start of the game because he was just, there, there was no, there was, right, we're going to kick from here no matter what. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if we'd had a six-man overlap, much like England, where they had that, you seen that screenshot yeah, yeah. of the seven on two. He was standing back, and there was only one thing he was doing was just sending people into the ruck to form a caterpillar so he could box kick it. There were, there were, thankfully, he did then, after about 20 minutes, stop doing that and do what Snowy said about getting the ball away quicker. But, we just don't. We're, I don't know what we're trying to do. Whether we're trying to play by numbers, whether we got a set thing right. No matter what, we are not going to play from here. But we just still kick the ball away. At least we're not kick box kicking it in their half when Hines is playing. That's one thing I will say. Well, no, it's not as no, it's not as noticeable. Maybe I, I mean, 
I just, yeah. So the, not not giving the opposition the ball. That's number one, right? So not kicking away aimlessly. Again, I've got no problem at all. If you're in your own twenty-two, and realistically, it's not not a lot's going to be on. You get rid and you put it to touch. But that's the thing as well. If you're going to kick, make sure you kick properly and well. Don't give their back three. Don't give Hassel Collins, who is one of the best finishers in the Premiership. Don't give him twenty yards to run into space. Yeah, you got. You can't let these guys get up to speed and the opportunity to scan the surroundings and pick a line, pick a route, because that's what they're doing, and they're cutting us to pieces. They're they're looking for those tired or lazy forwards, looking for that dog leg, and they're running through at pace, aren't they? I, I, I didn't actually think the kicking game was that bad compared to the previous week. I, th- I think, but, but I agree I, with that. I, I think but we're still big... kicking it too much. I think. Yeah, but I. I... And I think we were kicking from better positions. Like, I mean, the fact mm. that we kicked out at the end, we won't come on to that in detail yet, but that shows, you know, we've got absolutely no confidence that we can get from our 10-metre line to the red zone. So basically well, no, we're anything... not allowed to because we can only go two phases and we've got to kick the fucking yeah, thing. But, but, every single time. I think, I think that's. I think it's, it's a bit chicken and egg, isn't it? But I think a lot of the time we're kicking it away because we know we're more likely to concede a penalty than we are generate a score... <laughs> A scoring opportunity but the, the bigger issue for me this week was when when your set piece is that bad you basically give a free pass to the opposition to try whatever they want because yeah. knock-ons or you know kicks that kicks that go out instead of stay in and things like they just don't matter you can try what you want because as soon as you get a set piece you get the ball back yeah true uh, i mean we'll, we'll come on to snowy's point about the kicking off <laughs> the kicking off the pitch at the end um and um, yeah, I'll come to that in a minute. The other point I've seen uh, mentioned um, on Shed Web and on social media is the fact that changing, because again, this, the whole debate about Skivington and the coaches is, is going to continue until we win, we win a few games. Let's be honest, it's going to continue. Or unless relegation is taken off the table, which uh, it hasn't been uh, because the RFU have delayed it again. Um and one of the points I've seen raised a, a couple of times now is that, um, you know, we've, we've changed our coaches routinely. Um, they have one good season and the next bad season, we get rid of them or whatever. I think in fairness, um, Ackerman, I don't think if we could have kept him, I don't think we necessarily would have got rid of him. I think COVID and a few other situations raised their head there. And that's what created those. There were, there were issues, in, you know, underlying that one. Um, and from a game plan point of view, there is there is a game plan. I think we've all agreed now that it is we're trying to model ourselves on the original that Saracens and that Latley Exeter style of play, where you kick the ball, you give the opposition, you put the opposition into, under pressure and under stress in their own twenty-two or in their own half. You defend hard and fast, and you make them make mistakes. You then get penalties. You then put it in the corner and you score a try. Where we go, I get a game built around our worst aspect. Well, defense. yeah, and and the problem is, is that's all well and good if you're good at what those aspects. So you want to have got to be really good at the kicking. Your chase has got to be perfect. Your defence from the kick has got to be really good, and you can't give stupid penalties away. All things we're not very good at. And then and then you need to have a really high success rate with your with your line out kick to the corner of the line out, and the, our line out. 
over the last three, four weeks just gone down the pan. It was well, it was it was really good. Heard. It was really good up until Newcastle. We had a bit of a wobble second half against Newcastle. But again, though, that the other issue with that one is we've had three different hookers. It's um, um, it's it's coaching by a textbook, though, isn't it? It's like if you look if you look at Gloucester, it's like right. How are you going to make a Gloucester team effective? You've got look, we've got world class wingers, right? Uh, yet we're playing a game. We're trying to build a game plan that's all about the opposition having the ball. Yeah. It, it does doesn't make any sense at all. Like play to your strengths. And when, when I see us do the caterpillar, it's like it, it's such a poor replica of something that's been successful. It 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 can never work because you you're trying to beat the best by doing something that they do better that they've mastered over years and years and perfectly fits their team and their team ethos and it's and, like let, let, and, let's just be gloss let's be unique let's use our strengths yeah and, and also it's not even just a case of being like, trying to replicate somebody else's style of play it's the fact that actually if you look at what's happening in rugby it's not that it, people have worked it out Exeter aren't as dominant this season because people have worked out that actually there is a way to beat them um, yeah and it, wh- why extra are good is that they can adapt their game as well that's yeah that's a but, the, but that, that that original you know that game that style of play where you basically you know you all go off your feet at the ruck and you clear out everybody and all the rest of it people have worked out well you don't commit to the ruck extra can't go anywhere um and then you know it's just it's it's simple and, and what's what you're seeing is the dominant style of rugby now the, the style of rugby that's becoming more attractive that is the more attractive the French style of rugby, the Bristol style of rugby, although they did lose at the weekend. But yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you look at Bristol though and the way they play, they're like that prime example. They're just using all of their strengths in the best way possible. And if, if they can like play really high tempo and break the game up and get players in holes and they just destroy sides, they're not trying to be extra because extra have been successful the last four years. If no. Bristol played that style of game, kicked ball away and defended, they'd be shit. Yeah. Um, right, should we move on to the to the, the the contentious moment at the end of the game? Um, Snowy, we know your feelings, so we'll go to Jim and Lawrence first, <laughs> like, and then you can you can have your rant. Um, so the last, you know, right, Gloucester get the bonus point uh, try. We've now got within four points or uh, something like that, or six points of the the game. Um, and rather than just give it a go, Billy Twelve Trees kicks it out. Uh, Jim Lawrence, first of all, what did you think of that particular moment? Just so frustrating. Um, I think, and I know, I know where Snowy's uh, sort of take on it, and I'm very much the same. That two points, brilliant. You know, there's a lot of games that you would accept two points. Maybe a game where you have been the second best team for the vast majority of the game and you can think do you know what coming here and going away with two points I'll be happy with that I don't feel that was really the case I think we're a better team than Irish I think we could have put them under a lot of pressure in that final play Um, and even if they'd have scored and we'd have lost a bonus point surely losing one point is worth the gamble to get three more that's that's my take on it Um, yeah because not only not only would you have to fuck up and lose the ball, you then have to fuck up again for them to score the try. So I, I, I think it was just worth worth a go. And I think it's just really disheartening that the the players have either been told or have that feeling that 
no, there's there's no way they're going to do it. I was spitting feathers at how long Twelve Trees was taking over the sobbing conversion, which he then went and missed anyway. We yeah, were, I, we, we were we were back within seven. We had the chance to if we if he got on with it, we, we would have given us a bit more time. He almost took so long that there wasn't time for the restart. Yeah, I said in the group uh, chat, the, didn't the, I? To the attitude, forfeit, forfeit the, the kick. The attitude at the moment of the club was, oh well, we got two bonus points. That'll do. Not how can we win this game. Where, where they want to be, which is what they're talking about, they want to build something and go forward. And I know we're nowhere near that stage, but ultimately, the, where they want to be, the attitude of the people is, we can win this. We, remember the, what was it? Oh, Christ. Um, look, Wasps, who got the bonus point, didn't they, against us? They scored the try, they kept, got on with the conversion, and they went the length of the pitch and got another try. Because yeah. they, they believed that there was time left and we can do this. Well, Gloucester, don't, don't, they don't even... They don't even think with that mentality at the moment. And if you're not thinking that mentality, you're not going to play with that. And that I was so it's, it, it was inevitable to me he was going to kick the ball out because he almost so he didn't want it to restart anyway with how long he was taking playing. He should have been straight back, got that ball down, rushed the conversion. As it turned out, with, all right, well, it's easy for me to say it with hindsight because he missed it anyway, but got on with it. You never know, he might have nailed it if he rushed it. But um, so that we had as much as much time to go through the phases as possible and try and win a penalty to be able to, because that was the only way we were ever going to get down there was to win a penalty. So we could get down the other end of the pitch and then try and score a try from 35, 40 metres out, something like that. But mm. there was just no ambition to do that. And it, it no. drives me crazy when I see that. I know the players are trying, but I, well, that's where the lead should come on, boys. We can win this. And it doesn't have to be the captain. It just has to be someone. We can do this. And Gloucester didn't have that mentality. I mean, if piss poor amateurs could have that sort of mentality, it's a worry when professional uh, outfits can't. No. Go on then, Snow. Yeah, so like, so the, the majority of the commentary I've seen has actually supported him kicking out, kicking out, and I think that's because it's it's very easy to sort of think you're taking some sort of high ground where you take the conservative thinking man's approach and they're like yeah it was a sensible thing to do to secure that point and that sort of makes sense if you're on your own try line right where it's super risky to sort of wing a ball out but we weren't I think we were on our own 10 meter line or we so. were on the 22 nearly yeah in between the 22 and the 10 I'd yeah say. and um and a bit of right, room to run. so so the 80 minutes has gone so firstly we've got the ball so what you're saying right so what's up for grabs on both sides you potentially if something goes horribly wrong, bearing in mind that you've got the ball, you must have some confidence that you can hold your own ball for a couple of phases. You could lose a point. Or there's three points on the line if you can generate a try scoring opportunity. To, for, for your mind to be, we are, our team is so bad that we're more likely to concede a point to a factor of three to one <laughs> than we are to gen generate a try scoring opportunity I think as Lawrence alluded to that says something about that mentality of that team the fact that they're not they, they shouldn't even be questioning whether it's a possibility to go for that try and I think if you look at the Ireland Wales game on Sunday they've got losing bonus points in the Six Nations did anyone ever think think oh maybe Ireland should have kicked it out at the end there and just taken the losing bonus because they went from their own twenty two. Well, did. Did, <laughs> well, yeah. did eventually. <laughs> yeah, but he, 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 that happened because he was going for bus. Going for he was bus, going for it, wasn't he? he? That's well, the point. Not, yeah. not only that, I mean, if, yeah. if he, you know, he sliced it. If he gets that right, you know, they the fact that they attacked and they believed that they could score from there, and not one of them thought, "Oh, we need to protect a losing bonus point." 
Um, they, if he had kicked that properly, as you'd expect to tend to, they've got a five metre line out to win the game from that situation. Mm. I mean, um, the, the, I agree entirely. I... Would we really have accepted a draw against London Irish before kickoff? So a draw against a team that's 10th in the league, because that's the equivalent of what two points is. No. And secondly, you can have all the bonus points you want in the world. If you don't start winning games, they won't be vital at the end of the season either. No, exactly. Um, my my point, uh, kind of very much basically what Snowy was saying, the thing that I couldn't quite understand and why people were going, oh, it's a good decision was, as you say, we had the ball, the clock was red, and Irish already had five points. Now, I know there is a potential that I, I, the Irish might go, okay, well, we, if we get an opportunity, we could go and kick penalty and not a point off Gloucester. I doubt really that would have been what would have happened. I think probably what would have happened is we would have realistically would have knocked it on and then the ball would have gone dead exactly. and that would have been it anyway. Or if we did give a penalty away, the chances are Irish would have gone sod this for a lot. Well, right, we've won the game. Clap it out, away you go. I can't see. I can't see how, as as other you, everyone else has said, the 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 win loss ratio on this was so far skewed to the. You, you've got to go for it. You have to go for it. If you've got, you know, if it was like, for example, the difference between getting into Europe and not. Um, you know, oh, a point would mean we wouldn't get into Europe, two points would get into Europe. Yeah, there's a logic behind it. But this was, we're bottom of the league. We have only won one league game all season. You have to have a go. And as others, as everybody else said, it's just the mindset is that's what's really troubling. And, and the um, potential reward is a lot more than three points. Imagine if we had come back and scored that and what that yeah, potentially the, the, then the, do. Would have our season, potentially. Confidence and that would have got through that. Yeah, agree. Going on um, with what you were saying on that, Ed, as well, that every metre we get closer to that try line, the, the, the chances of kicking the ball out dead, if they get it no matter what, rather than trying to go from anywhere, increases massively. Yeah. So agreed. And, and they'll right. be more scared about giving away a penalty. Penalty, yeah. So you right. so actually gaining ground becomes easier yeah. and easier. Right, we're going to move on now to another depressing part of the weekend. <laughs> um, England versus Scotland. Uh, England lost at Twickenham for the first time against Scotland in 38 years. Um, and deservedly so, I have to be honest. It was awful. For how bad we said Gloucester had played in the last few weeks, <coughs> England, I mean, it was just horrendous. Uh, I mean, I can't remember up until about the 65th minute going through more than three phases before we kicked the ball away. Uh, it's just, and we, we, to be fair, you know, we said, we said this all along, the style of play that England have been playing since the autumn has been awful. Um, guys take it from there. Just, you know, what are your thoughts? I think they only have one way of playing as well. That's the trouble with England. As soon as they're, they're quite easy to counter, and when a team do counter them, they just don't have other ways of playing. They don't have a plan B or a plan C. And when because they were then under pressure, I think 
I always think England's intensity is actually quite good, mm. but they they just if, if the door doesn't open at the first try, that's it. There, there's no way through, and players start to fall apart. And I mean, sadly for us, I think Johnny May probably had one of his worst ever games in an England shirt. Yeah, the, um, last, mo- the Powell, last the last moment was kind of epitomised it really, didn't he? When he dropped the ball from a yeah. clearance, Farrell was really poor. Um, and you know when it it's hard for any team to win any game when your ten has a really bad game. It's, it's such an influential position. Um, and I thought, you know, they defended. I mean, scoreline wise, despite the fact they just didn't have any ball, they they defended well as well with intensity. But they just couldn't get a grip on the game. And, and again, you know, you can't always just focus on the team. Like we can't always focus on Gloucester, and you can't just focus on England. Scotland have been a team that have just built and developed for three, four years now and look, look like a class side and I thought, thought they were superb. I mean, I'm going to throw it to Jim and Lawrence now, but I, one thing I did laugh at was that the number of people Scottish on Twitter going, that's the greatest Scottish performance I've ever seen. I'm thinking, if that's the greatest Scottish performance <laughs> you've ever seen, that's a low bar. Um, they, they didn't, they had a lot of opportunities that they didn't convert. They should have been a lot further ahead. I, I mean, I'm not being funny, mate. That, that, that was, that was, it was a very good Scottish performance. But if England had even like tried to play some rugby, um, or even picked us, picked players that hadn't been on, uh, hadn't been on, you know, the so bench for the last for six weeks, for six, yeah. yeah, well, more than that, um, you know. Well, you never know what would have happened. Lars, Jim? Uh, I didn't... Well, I was concentrating my efforts on the Gloucester match to start with. Um, so I didn't see the beginning. And then I was driving to work and listening on Five Live, which to be... It's, it's lovely. You kind of get a good feeling of what's going on, but you don't you don't get a grasp on the intensity levels at all. And then I was at work, so I was busy. Um, and I, You're the I best got, you of the weekend then. Yes, it. <laughs> so, so, so I was quite kind of lucky in that I probably saw about ten minutes of it um, in between the Gloucester match and leaving for work, and um, yeah, it just looked just looked slow, rusty, poor, just poor basics in a way. And I, I, I think that's all those Saracens players that haven't played a lot lately. That's what's going to happen, isn't it? Of Matoje, he was again amazing. Well, he, he can't help that, can he? No. Loss? Uh, I can't remember too much of it to be on the show. So <laughs> after, after the Gloucester game, I got absolutely twatted by the end of the night. It wiped my memory of it. So um, that's the thing. I think the performance looked worse, didn't it? Because we were already so angry going into it. Oh, exactly, <laughs> it, exactly. Um, the one thing that does always stick on my mind, and it was just a, the, the the statistics coming out about the amount of possession that Scotland had. And it, to me, the, the England game at the moment is it smacks of too many analysis. Uh, analysts, sorry, because um, you got Eddie Jones saying that statistics say the team that kicks the ball the most wins at international rugby. Well, I think it got, it's the team that kicks the ball the best probably wins, not the, the most, because mm. you could kick the ball all you want, like we did. And then if a team knows how to use it, and eventually if you give them that much possession, they will use it. Um, I'd just like to say thoroughly deserved by Scotland for what I can remember of it. <laughs> um, they were by far and away the better side, but my God, were England bad? Well, uh, you mean? I mean, you referenced there's a there's a very very uh, <laughs> very well shared photo, particularly on Twitter, 
of uh, uh, seven England players versus I think it's three Scotland players uh, where we've got a th- yeah basically a seven on three overlap and Farrell is kicking. There's not even a look to go wide. But then it shouldn't just be a look, should it? It should be really good comms all the way down. Oh, like yeah. That entire back line are all shouting, pass it left. It was left, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, they can't even complain about the noise in the stadium either, can they? <laughs> but I wonder as well, actually, if that had been in England, if there had been a crowd there, would an England, would an England crowd accept that? Well, do you know what? I, I do wonder because I think it's a lot easier to pe- play to a game plan when you haven't got thousands of supporters telling you to do something different. Yeah. <laughs> we're, you know, we're quite good at Gloucester, aren't we? You know, when they're lining up for a box kick, you know, don't bloody kick it again. And, and actually, there's got to get a little bit in your head. And as a 10, as a 9, if you've got thousands of people booing or hissing or moaning or whatever because you're shaping to kick then maybe it might it might not stop you kicking it but it might make you think about not kicking you know looking left and right is is there another option maybe a couple of thousand that were in for the autumn international didn't stop them from doing it did it and all they got was the supporters got was um being slagged off by the coaching setup at the end for dare into question the uh, England players' tactic. Yeah, that was quite... I mean, to be fair, that I did I did find that. I think we referenced it at the time when uh, you, they got... The only people in the stadium other than the coaching set-up and the, and the uh, journalists was... Uh, I think it was nurses, wasn't it? It was nurses and doctors was and care workers. Key workers, and stuff, wasn't it? Key workers and stuff. Key workers or whatever. You know, yeah. and, and thinking they've seen some of the most horrific things all, all year and they found watching England was more awful and started booing them. Um, and, and and I I fully agree. It's just awful rugby. I mean, you know, everyone goes on about Johnny May's try against Ireland in the autumn tests, um, and it was brilliant. But it was just entirely off his own back. I mean, May and uh, and Watson barely get the ball. Uh, Ollie, uh, not Ollie Lawrence. Um, is it is it Ollie Lawrence? Yeah, it's Ollie, Ollie Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, the centre, the Worcester centre. I think. He went. He actually only touched the ball twice um, before, we, and I think the second time he touched it with the ball going forward was about two minutes before he got substituted. Uh, I mean, the poor bloke. The poor bloke just didn't get the ball. He just didn't get the ball. The ball never got outside of ten. Um, who was who was the other centre? I'm just. I mean, I'm trying to remember who the other. Centre. No, the older one. Yeah, Slade. Slade? I mean, it's a, one, it's a it's a weird he's one. one of the to best, he's one of the best footballing centres in the in the world. He's incredibly skillful. He can beat people with just a you know. He's a fantastic player. Give him the fucking ball. It's a weird one to assess, isn't it? Because like, it's such a good England team. And oh, yeah. The potential is so high, and like, and there's there's elements of the way they play where like potentially this side is unbeatable, but they just then they play such a limited game. As you said, the defence is brilliant. I mean, let's be honest, and you consider how many penalties they gave away as well. I mean, they gave, was it like 15 penalties or 16 penalties? Which you can't, I mean, you can't win an international rugby game by conceding 15, 16 penalties. But the fact they were only a try away from the at the end shows you how good the defence was. Because when they were giving penalties away in, in areas where Scotland could pump it into the corner... They're just their their um, line out draws were fantastic. Their red zone defence was brilliant. They were making Scotland turn over the ball. 
Um, yeah, I just, but then as you said, like attacking wise, it is so limited. Um, the thing is, Eddie Jones, when he signed his contract, he turned around and he said he was going to try this England team. What players are you going to see seen before? He's going to revolutionise rugby. I didn't realise he meant he was going to bore us all to death and play a <laughs> shit kicking game. Because we certainly got the yeah, but we certainly got the players, generation of players around in such depth that we genuinely probably could do that statement that he said and and, and do some and be the greatest team there's ever been. The, I'm not saying our players are that at the moment, but there was there, as as we just said, there's so much potential to fulfil that. Yeah, and and the thing is, well, it's not even. I mean, it's just that the, the the selections are just bizarre. They're getting more bizarre as well. He's, I mean, Eddie Jones is is renowned for um, uh, being stubborn, but I mean, why? I mean, I don't necessarily rate Ford that much, but he's a better ten than Farrell. Farrell's not a ten. Farrell's a twelve. That's fine, but the problem is, without if you don't have Ford in the team. The ball never gets outside of 10, 12 because Farrell kicks it all the time. Um, and and he keeps picking Ben Youngs. Uh, he keeps picking people. I mean, you know, fair play to him. Mark Wilson has done all right this season. But you've got, like, um, Simmons at Exeter and Dombrant at Quinns and, you know, all the Earl at Bristol. All these players that have been excellent for the last 12 months. Mark Wilson has been injured for the last 12 months pretty much. And get straight back in the side, and you know he what, holds what? he holds on to players for too long, doesn't he? That's the thing. Like, but, but then, but surely he does players too soon. You'd think, wouldn't yeah. you? Put Fowler at twelve. Get Marcus Smith in there. Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> Just and yeah. He, he suddenly, you're like, oh hello, opportunities yeah. opening up all over the shop. I, I get the idea that you know England, are, it's 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 only a Six Nations. Whereas if Scotland win the Six Nations, that will be a massive thing for them. Whereas if England win the Six Nations, it'll be, well, there's another Six Nations. It's all about building for the World Cup. So start thinking about blooding those players because what you don't want to be is you don't want to be Six Nations before a World Cup. And they'll be going, well, we can't be taking Marcus Smith to the World Cup because he hasn't got enough games. Even if we play him in all six, you know, in all five of these games, it's not enough. You think, well, you know, you've had the last two years to play him. So... You can't, you can't blame... You touched on this before as well. Yeah, you? you can't blame players for not having match experience when you're the person not giving them the matches. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, that's, that's the crap rugby of the weekend sorted. Um, just to quickly touch on uh, Saracen's loss again. That's quite funny. Uh, although, to be fair, that again, it was like a third string side and I recognised about three players. Um, so for people who are thinking uh, Ealing are going to win the league... Um, and we'll come back to the the uh, the championship in a few weeks' time when they start up. Um, yeah, because they've just they've just announced the fixtures, haven't they? So they've announced that. Yeah, it's Saracens are going down to down to Cornwall for the first game. Yeah, it's an eleven it's an eleven team championship, and it's one. It'll be either home or away, not home and away. Um, and then a, and then a home and away playoff, playoff. final. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it as it goes. I mean, we it depends if if uh, if relegation is still a, a a chance for Gloucester, we'll we'll just keep an eye on see who we'll be playing next year. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, the um, we'll move on to the the other games of the weekend. So first of all, we'll do the Ireland Wales game, which was characterised by 
let's be honest, two absolute brain dead moments of just one of just just thuggery, and the other one was just he had, he had an absolute mare in Billy Burns. In but in between them, a fantastic try by Louis Rizamet. Um or a finish. I don't say it was an amazing try, but it was a great finish by Louis Rizamet. Start with Omani. Omahani, how do we pronounce it? Um, anyway, Mani. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not as if he's got previous, is it? Just a lot. It's like, I mean, literally, you they're, they're told to take care of when you're doing that sort of stuff, and he's continually doing it. Snow, don't go on, smash man. people um, in the head. No. Yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like I'm always just playing devil's advocate, but I actually, I felt it was a little bit harsh. Really? Because, yeah, because <laughs> I, I I think he went he went he was in a good rucking position. He didn't dive off his feet. He was low, um, and it, it as the rules of it and as they are at the his moment. Shoulder because, went straight to his it, face. Because it's shoulder <laughs> like, head. It's yeah, a very elbow, really. Wasn't it? The one, no. the one where um, there was a Welsh one where um, I can't remember who it was, but he went off with a head injury because of it. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly the that, same. That was really. exactly the same, and wasn't even talked about. Um, and it was and it was at full height. I think it's so. I I know what they're saying. You know, if you're going to, you could basically can't run into a ruck at all. Full stop. You need to sort of set yourself and try and push the opposition I, off. I it, think but... if Omani's left arm's out rather than down by the side, mm. he gets away with it. But it was the fact that it it made it. it the he, he's got it... no intentions of trying to clear out legally. There, he's gone smashing in with his shoulder. I'm afraid. Yeah. Like like Wayne, can't Wayne, do Barnes, Wayne Barnes referred to it as a chicken wing, didn't he? Yeah, it's like you know, because it's yeah. kind of his, his elbows coming out at, at the same time as the impact. Um, I mean, but I there, think there was a time, said, there was a time, wasn't there, that if you were in that position or in a rug, <laughs> and someone's come and they've rucked you out like that, then you just took, you, you know, you got you got what you deserve for being in oh, that position. But I've I, been I in that position. I've been in that position playing the cherry pickers, and I I didn't get it in that position again. I didn't bother trying to get the ball again. <laughs> in fact, I didn't I didn't realise I was at King's Home anymore. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was which, particularly because you weren't even playing Kingsland that year. No, no, I think I was that year. <laughs> but, oh god, yeah, crazy. Um, what was I going to say? I've forgotten. I'm getting, it's uh, amazing what happens when you get hit in the head a few times. The, get, get, uh, getting flashbacks to, to yeah. concussions. But no, I think um, it's like you like you said, Snow. You know, there was a very similar incident late, much later on in the game that wasn't looked at, and I and I think. It's unlike Wayne Barnes, actually, because he's usually very, very good at letting play carry on and just say, oh, TMO, have a little look at that in the background and let me know. And he didn't on that occasion. Um, but you kind of need just everything that could be a red card looked at fairly and equally because otherwise... I mean, that probably did affect the outcome of the game, didn't it? Because if that had been an Irish penalty... And another red card. You think it would have um, been a? I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't watching the game there, but what I would say is that uh, um, I did see the Omani incident, and Barnes was happy with it initially. And it was Tom Foley, the TMO, who called him back to have a look at it. Um, maybe Barnes was happy with it, and Foley, for whatever reason, didn't check it. I don't know. I can't comment on it because I didn't see it. But I'm just wondering whether perhaps Barnes thought it was much the same as the Omani incident initially where he was happy with it and wanted to play on and that was what was left, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Um, he loves a flowing game, this Barnes. I mean, he, he doesn't, uh, well, like to, I, doesn't I don't like to I, stop I, it. 
I don't have great. a problem. I, look, they all referees make mistakes, and um, you know that. I, I think it's an easy cop out, isn't it, for a lot of for a lot of people to. But interestingly, if you went, if you saw on Twitter, there were very few Irish fans who were uh, complaining about the red card. Uh, there were quite a lot of Irish fans uh, who were complaining about, unfortunately, Billy Burns missing the convert, the, uh, <laughs> the touch later. And I have to be honest, it's not just, I mean, it's been an increasing thing in football recently as well, but some of the abuse online um, directed at Billy Burns was shocking and it needs to be really stamped out. because I mean, it's yeah. more of a wider issue, isn't it? But it's ridiculous. It's a- if you're if you're not willing to say it to the person's face, don't don't write it to their you know and tweet it to their handle, and yeah. you ain't and you ain't gonna be bloody saying it to his face, are you? Because he'll get one of his bigger mates to smack you. Well, the, the, the thing is, there seems to be these this, these two extremes at the moment on um, out there. It's either troll and be completely and utterly rude and disrespectful, or support blind blind support and cannot be critical of anything there needs to be a bit more level-headedness i think somewhere along the line don't be so uber critical but also don't be so blinded by um your support that everything's going to be okay yeah i mean to be fair asking for nuance on social media is uh, is a bit of a stretch loss but i agree entirely i agree entirely i'm just saying we might be asking a little bit much for if we're asking for nuance on social media but I do. I agree. It's not. It can't be one or the other. It, you know, it, it, it has to be. You've got to be able to be critical of a side. Like we're being critical of Gloucester. We're being critical of England. Um, but you can't go over the board. I mean, we, we don't want them to lose. We keep saying we want them to win. Please yeah. win. Please win. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, people don't lose games because someone's sliced a kick to touch. No. Team, teams lose games because of bigger, wider spread issues throughout the course of 80 minutes. Exactly. Ireland didn't lose that game because Billy Burns missed touch. They lost that game because Peter Romani Peter got, got sent off. off. Because I think if uh, you know the pattern of the game, pattern of play, it was clear that Ireland were the better side. Wales ground out a win. Fair play yeah. to him. They it was only the last ten. It was only the last 10, 15 minutes that the the workload that the Irish back row had had to do off yeah. the back of there only being two of them. Um, that really told. They yeah. were by far the better side in the first half when they were down to... Oh, they were brilliant. I mean, they genuinely were brilliant, Ireland, in the first half. Um, the best, obviously, performance of the weekend, although it is difficult to judge because it was against Italy, but the French were fantastic uh, in Rome. Uh, 50 points. But we go back to Italy are just so poor. And they're getting worse, I think. I mean, you know, there's, there's little moments where you think, oh... That's not bad. I mean, um, Varney had that little dummy on uh, the French yeah, fly off. That was a tough, uh, tough call on the forward pass as well. I think. Well, I, I thought it was a clear when he in, oh, real, it was in real, yeah, in real time he looked forward. So you know, when it went back, I thought, yeah, that's going to go. Um, it looked forward when they slowed it down. When they sped it up, it just looked forward. To yeah, me. when it reversed, it was still forward. Um, but there are these moments in games, Italy, where you think, oh, you know, they could. It could be in there was that break from I think it was the break from the centre um, in the first five minutes, but then they they give way too many penalties away. Um, they're just the indiscipline is ridiculous, and I, you know they just haven't got the quality, have they? And the problem is, even and we say you know everyone's going about like bringing Georgia into the to the Six Nations. I don't think it would improve it really. I just you know they're not going to be any better. I mean England England played them in this in the autumn. 
and basically use it as a scrum training session and absolutely session, destroyed yeah. him. And still put 40 points on and him. And still put 40 points on him in, in torrential conditions. Um, I, I, st- I still think what, what they need and exactly how you structure it, I haven't really thought enough about, but th- there has to be sort of two two divisions that have... Um, to obviously you're not going to quite get the same TV money and TV coverage, but the money at least should be roughly evenly generated to try and bring through that wider set of international teams. So you have your Italy's, your Georgia's, your Romania, <laughs> you, Romania, potentially that yeah. I, I'd watch, I'd watch those games. I think, you know, they're, they're roughly close enough in ability that I reckon you'd see some really interesting rugby. There's enough of those players that are playing professional rugby, I think. Mm. Um, be better watching bloody standard. England at the moment. That's for sure. I think the problem is as well is you can't expand it because there's no way in a million years uh, the the Premiership and the and the club clubs are going to say, oh yeah, stick another international weekend in. It's just you can't. You yeah. know, people are talking about making it a 17 tournament. Well, not in this current uh, calendar. Uh, it, you know, as and when they do finally look at maybe sorting the, the rugby calendar, you might be able to look at more of an expanded. Uh, Northern Hemisphere tournament where you might really, be able to bring in. If you just P2. make it bigger, you just have two or three shit teams instead of one shit team, don't you? And it'd be... Yeah. Well, at least yeah. the shit teams get to play each other then, and yeah, then you're not yeah. you're not yeah, year on year the most shit team. Yeah. I just I think have a second conference and then if it, uh, not yeah, second conference, sorry, just have a second division and top yeah. top of that goes promoted and bottom goes down. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Um. I mean, so we're gonna move on quickly now to the. Uh, the Bristol game, which is coming up, the Gloucester Bristol game. Yeah, um, we are looking like we're going to oh, smash it. Oh, we, well, interesting, interesting. I think it, I'm actually quite annoyed at Sale because, like, um, I I didn't fancy it at all, and then Sale went and beat them, and I, it gave me hope. And then Randrado's out for like the next six weeks. That gave me more hope. I think isn't um, uh, what's his name? Not Pierre Tau, the other guy. The Luatua is out. I think. Uh, yeah, he hobbled off, didn't he? He's out. So, uh, you know, it's just... You just think... a Pia Tau being out. Pia Tau would be nice wingers. Yeah. And, um, and the fly-off. A couple of second rows <laughs> and, maybe a couple, and a couple of props. That would be good. We don't wish COVID on anyone, so maybe just for, like food poisoning or something, outbreak. I mean, they probably have the best attack and we probably have the worst defence at the minute, so that's worrying. <laughs> yeah, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and and, and, and we, like, we like to give the opposition the ball, so... <laughs> when, 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 I, know we, I know we put quite a few points on them in the past when, we, when they were shit and we were good, but what worries me more than anything else, they, even when they were at their worst, they always managed to raise a game to stay in the match. We never really gave them an absolute Tonkin. Even if we put 40 points on them, they usually got 25 or 30 back. What worries me is the roles are now reversed and our attack isn't great and our defence is apocalyptically bad. <laughs> and they, 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 they score tries of fun if they really want to. Our only hope is there's a blizzard or a bloody mud bath down there on, and it, 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 the, the ground gets flooded somehow because if, if those conditions are any way conducive to running rugby, they will probably put 60 on us, I think. Yeah. And it you think it's going to be a record score? Yeah. I don't. I think it's going to be a lot closer. And I think the reason it's going to be a lot closer 50. is... <laughs> I think it's going to be... Uh, if if Randrada and uh, Luatua and all the rest of them were playing, I would think, oh, Christ, we're in trouble. Yeah, that, because, that, yeah you're right. Because, because I'm not being funny. We haven't... Got, I, 
I just, yeah, I, it, it terrifies me. The thought of Randrada running through Atkinson's channel again is just like you wake up in a cold sweat. But the, um, I, I don't know. There's, a, I think it's just blind hope, though, isn't it? To be honest, I think we might get close. I hope we get. I there. think we might get close, and it will be annoyingly, will annoyingly lose again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think it'll be the sixty I just said. Actually, I forgot about Ryan Rounder, um, but I still don't think we'll be close. I think the fact they lost at the weekend is actually worse for us. Yeah, oh, yeah I know. I agree. Um, definitely, I agree. Yeah, it would have been nice if they like just like snuck a win and just got a bit confident. You know, be, be maybe a bit overconfident. Um, I don't think Pat Lamela. He's not that sort of coach that allowed him to do that. No, but it's interesting actually because we talk about the Bath game. You know, the Bath the Bath Bristol game. They were, I mean, they could have put 100 points on them if they kept going at the, the rate they were going. I don't know if Bath did come into it a little bit, but I looked at that score and it was what 48 something at 50 55 minutes. 55 minutes, yeah. And I was thinking this could be anything. I mean, they could, the Bath were all over the place. The defensive structures were just gone. Randrada, I mean, is, you know, the, the partner of the Red Sea uh, on Randrada. And they kind of started to play. On their own, they'd stop playing as a team and behaving being cohesive with it. And um, I, uh, I just, and since then they've struggled. Well, they've only played one game since then, haven't they? Um, I, I think, <laughs> I, I, I think our big hope this season is that Bath are even worse than us, and Worcester. Well, I mean, Worcester are just sort of like perennially quite bad. Mm. But but Bath, they're, they're used but, to it. They're they're, they're good at being yeah. bad, <laughs> and they haven't got a good squad. <laughs> but like Bath are in a similar situation to us. It's like they are a mess. Hopefully, they're just more of a mess than we are. They've got yeah. The thing is about Bath, they have got decent players throughout their squad. Yeah, um, like us. <laughs> yeah, but they just they haven't yeah, got a style. That's rugby. the thing. Yeah, I see where you come from. Sorry, actually, you make you raise a very valid point. Them over yeah. Worcester more so because Worcester are probably playing to some of their parts. So. Yeah. could potentially play as a team and that's probably better mm. than being individuals whereas Bath and Gloucester at the moment they don't have any cohesion at all yeah I think against Bristol we, we would have to up our games so much versus the other eight games this season and Bristol would have to drop so much Fall off, I, yeah. I can't see okay. it happening yeah yeah no, that's a, I think that's a fair assumption I think it'd be interesting though if, if say roles were reversed and Gloucester were Gloucester get a win against Bath in a couple of weeks and against Worcester in a couple of weeks mm. and we're suddenly like, you know, 20 odd points and Bath are like 12, 13. How quickly we'll all go. Relegation's a brilliant idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, <laughs> to be brutally honest with you, I wouldn't at that stage, not until we're mathematically safe from relegation because we're still capable of going on a run of 10 defeats on the drop. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. They are massive games, aren't they, those two weeks? Huge, oh. huge games. I mean, they're all big games. I don't think mentally we're ready to deal with massive games. That's what worries me. Yeah, I think I think it's a shame. It is a shame in a way that they've now delayed this bloody RFU vote for another few weeks. Because I'm convinced. I mean, the, the, the I think when we would have recorded last time, we were expecting the end of last week that the RFU were going to announce that relegation was going to be, or the Premiership were going to announce that relegation was going to be. Even when you did your Mike Tyndall interview, you were as well. I think yeah, I think it was the fifth, wasn't it? So it was last Friday, um, and uh, when they announced the 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 that they postponed it because they hadn't apparently spoken to BT. And that, that, that raises an issue. We'll finish... some brewers come to mind. Well, I mean, it raises an issue, and we'll finish on this tonight. Um, I know BT pay the 
piper, so to speak. You know, they're they're the they are a, a stakeholder in the in the in the league in that they broadcast it. But equally, they shouldn't be demanding that relegation or promotion is suspended on the basis that only one team's going to come up. It's going to be Saracens. Let's be honest; it's that's that's the case. Ealing aren't going to beat Saracens with a half decent Saracen side. Not now. It's only a one game as well. If it was a, if there was two games in a, in the season, you could see it, but that ain't going to happen. Um, is it right that BT could dem- you know, basically force relegation on the clubs, despite COVID, despite the financial, you know, apocalypse that would cause, just because they want to have some sort of interest in inverted commas in the in a couple of games? But my suspicion isn't that they're demanding that there isn't relegation. It's that they're a commercial partner that will have contracts written up that say that the league is going to play out in a certain way and they're going to commit to a certain level of games. It costs them a lot of money as well. And they're proposing something to their customer base. And you can't just go and change the whole format of the league without making sure your commercial partners are on board. And I think it sounds like they basically haven't fully had those conversations or they haven't developed far enough with BT Sport. So it, it makes sense that it's delayed. My imagination, what I imagine is that over the next couple of weeks, they'll have those conversations and they'll make sure that everything t- is tied up and agreed and then they'll scrap relegation. But it, it seems like they've just tried to go ahead without thinking about all the contracts that they've signed. Yeah. And that, think, that's think, obviously pretty risky. I think because BT, they don't just show the, the, the games at the top of the table, do they? They show the, the, you know, if there was like a relegation type game, uh, you know, your Gloucester against Worcester type uh, fixture, then that would be one of the featured games of the weekend because that's a key decision-making game. Whereas if relegation is not going to happen, you know, unless you're a Worcester or a Gloucester fan, who cares if you've got a couple of teams, 10th and 12th or 11th and 12th, having a game, they're not playing for Europe places. They're certainly not playing for playoff places. It's, it's of little interest to... The neutral so i think that's what if uh, especially if bt have signed up to um pretty much even um showings of each of the of the 12 clubs they kind of need those important games at the bottom end of the table just like they need the important ones at the top to have an even spread of fixtures across the 12 teams also like where where the money goes and stuff that'll all be written up in contracts so if they're proposing to put another team into the league and then the season after an extra team after that, all of that has to be thought about. Like, is the is the money going to be more thinly spread? Are they going to pay more for those teams? Well, they'll is have the more average... games. They'll have more games to to broadcast. But that costs costs money, doesn't it? Like, you don't. It costs BT to put there's, a game on. There's only but they're not so, getting yeah, yeah. additional revenue from putting those games on. That won't make any difference, will it? Because there's only, they're going to show their three games a weekend. They're going to show one on Friday, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. The reason the rest of the games are there are because they're, they're covered by PRL, in essence, for the analysis work, aren't they? Yeah, you know, they get recorded. Other, broadca- other broadcasts, they get yeah. recorded. BT will still only show what they show, which might sometimes is four games. They show, sometimes show two on a Saturday, don't they? Yeah. And other, other times it's that. So I don't see how that actually, personally, would change purely on the basis they got X amount of slots which they will fill, they're not going to create extra slots. You might get, I suppose, they, the only thing they could potentially do is turn around and say, well, actually, what we'll do is we'll do two games on Sunday and two games on Saturday. But if there's a contract that says they have to evenly show the number of teams in the league, for example, 
the, the mm. standard of those games they're showing then gets to cheer. I don't think there yeah. is because they like they, they like Gloucester, they, they like to come to Gloucester because they like the cra- the crowd aspect, don't they? Well, and, and of course, at the moment, I know at the moment it's not. Okay, no, no, but, but that no. But the COVID. argument, well, I was going to say, this idea of contracts and the rest of it. At the moment, they're showing all the games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the argument, I, I take your points, Noya. I understand where you're coming from, and I, and I agree that yeah, of course, it sounds like the the the, the Premiership didn't run it past properly the commercial partners in BT and a few others. However, as I made the point on Twitter, what would BT prefer? Uh, Friday night, end of the lights at King's Home with 12, 13,000 people with an atmosphere, which, you know, they can create a narrative and a story or a thousand people on a bloody park pitch at Ealing, which is where they'll be playing unless Ealing suddenly managed to work out a deal with Loftus Road and QPR. I mean, that that's... Mm. That's what it's going to come down to. Because unless they work out that deal, they won't be able to come up because they won't meet the no, criteria. But, well, but, you know, the argument being is, what? all right, then, sale. You know, great. Gets to go to Eccles for a Friday night game and freezing cold and banks. Yay. Um, anyway, on that note, <laughs> right, so we've all, we all agree that Gloucester are definitely going to win this weekend. Uh, no. England will beat Italy. Uh, yeah. Scotland, Scotland versus Wales for the Grand Slam decider, apparently. Uh, that's the game yeah. where you want two teams to lose, don't you? Yeah, I, no, a draw would be bloody hysterical. That really Scotland would be versus brilliant. Wales for the Grand Slam decided. Wales aren't going to win another game. No, well, <laughs> uh, they still got to play Italy. And all yeah, they still got to play Italy, don't they? Yeah, um, that that'll be a good game. Yeah, uh, to, be honest, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm uh, I'm there's that little part of me now that I'm actually thinking if Italy win at the weekend, I think it's just best to just finish finish the podcast there. But you know, anyway, <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully England do win with a bonus point, like they should do, and then we can have at least one victory next weekend. Because uh, Lawrence and I had a pretty appalling weekend, apart from the cricket. Jim doesn't care. No, and... I was I was just pleased that the uh, the Gloucester women, Gloucester Hartbury, they they won bonus point against Sale, so um, that kind of eased some of the pain. Did it? No. No. <laughs> so, so, sorry, ladies. Sorry, sorry ladies. Played, but I yeah. was in a foul mood after both Gloucester and England. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, there's one in them to do well. I genuinely want the women to do well, but unfortunately, it's never going to ease the pain of a Gloucester loss. No, it, no it'll, it'll, it'll top off a nice weekend if we win, but it's not going to ease the pain if we lose. I feel like I just got over it and then we did this podcast and now I'm just as angry. <laughs> hey, so if it makes you feel better, I've got to edit, edit this, so I've got to relive it again. Right. On <laughs> that luck. note, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Right. cheers. Night all. See you, Jim.